is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien, your host, and whether you're joining us on iTunes, Spotify, or on the YouTubes, on video, I really appreciate you joining us. It's really humbling to have people tune in for 20, 30, 60 minutes while you're exercising or you're driving or you're learning and developing your clinic. So thank you so much for joining us. And just to throw it out there at the top here today, again, you can head over to clinicmastery.com slash podcast for all of the links, the show notes, everything that you need from today's episode. And we have a guest joining us today. So you are probably likely to going to need those links today. Joining us, I'm really excited. This is I'm a bit of a tech nerd. For those who've been listening for a while, you'll know that I, I like my tech and uh, I'm geeking out on all the new technologies. And and specifically, the reason I do that is because it it creates amazing experiences for clients. It allows us to reimagine and transform healthcare for our clients and our communities. And so today, we're really going to dive into some tech. I'm really excited to have with us the founder of Recovery VR, Christian. Doran joining us on the podcast. Christian, welcome. How are you? Good. Thanks, Jack. Uh, it's great to be here. Super. Well, we will geek out. We'll talk all things uh, VR specifically, what it is, what it isn't, and uh, how it might apply to clinic owners. But before we do, you don't escape the standard questions, some icebreakers. So number one, Christian, what are you reading right now? I've been re- getting into the uh, the great courses, which is you know lecture series from the the best lectures ab- around particular subjects for all sorts of different things, and I've, I've been you know I've been going through biology and, and physics, and la- the last one was psychology, and he kept referencing Greek philosophers, and you know it just struck me that they're two thousand years old and, and people are still talking about them. So now I'm reading the Dialogues of Plato. I, I thought it might be arduous, but it's actually really interesting. I, I'm actually enjoying it. But I just, I just want to understand kind of where it all came from. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I, um, I'm on a similar train personally, and I heard someone recently say it's good to read the ideas of dead people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if we're still talking about it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's like they obviously said something interesting. There's something that stood the test of time. That's right. Yeah, awesome, mate. Well, number two, aside from Plato, who inspires you? Um, yeah, that that's a tough one. A lot of a lot of people inspire me. I'll just jump to a, a recent book. I read Build by Tony Fidel. He's he is a product manager of a lot of the Palm Pilot stuff, the iPod, the iPhone, then the Nest company that was bought out by Google. He and and his book was incredibly inspiring. I am trying to build a beautiful user experience. And his his kind of were, you know, all of his experiences through all of those products and the way that he builds the business around them so that it's mission-driven um, just was ex- incredibly inspiring. So, yeah, Tony Fidel. Nice. I like that. Mm. Number three, who did you want to be growing up? I wanted to be two things. I either wanted to be a chiropractor or I wanted to be a filmmaker. And filmmaking won out. So that's what I've been doing for the last kind of 15 years telling stories. Uh, I I love telling stories and all of the tech that comes with filmmaking. I ended up being a producer, like the organiser, a first AD, a production manager. Those are the things that um, I fell into in the film industry. But, you know, I come back full circle, my interest in, in human biology, which was kind of what chiropractic was about, is 
what I do now. You know, it's the it's the blending of content and the human body. So, yeah, adults didn't like me saying that I wanted to be a filmmaker. So I'd tell them that I wanted to be the chiropractor. <laughs> Oh, you'll grow out of it one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, and number four, mate, what's a motto that you like to live by? Uh, finish what you start. Mm, simple. <laughs> okay, so connect the dots for us. Obviously, you alluded to the fact you're, you're a filmmaker by trade now. How do you now mm. end up as the founder of a health tech company? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was a left turn, absolutely. But, you know, I, I've I've been in the film industry for a while and it's an odd industry and I've I've come into health and it's not an odd industry as well. It's just different. It's just, okay. uh, you know, different personalities doing different things. But I got really interested in VR. Let's uh, let's define terms. When we say yeah. VR, what are we yeah. talking about? Ah, vir- virtual reality. So, and that isn't AR, that isn't MR, that isn't XR, that is VR. So AR is augmented reality where you see the real world and there's stuff on top of it. I'd be like Pokemon Go, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it goes through a lens and is processed. What I'm really interested in is the immersion of virtual reality, which is I like to think of it like VR is like your TV set when you get home. You sit down and you watch your TV, right? You you spend some time in that world and you listen and you watch a story or you watch the news. And AR is actually like your phone. You pull it out all, all day and you look at it every once in a while, right? So VR is like an experience. You sit down and you do VR, which is why I think it works so well for health because it is that time in your day that you are spending towards your own health, your own body, your own rehabilitation. So, so that's why I think VR is really specific to the health space as opposed to something that, you know, is just telling you your heart rate or something all day, you know? Yeah. So. I got interested in VR and it was 360 video as well. So I started playing with 360 video cameras that capture the world all around you as opposed to just in front of you, which is a completely like a complete shift in thinking about how to tell stories in that world. And of course, I started making those a little bit interactive and and out of nowhere. <laughs> it was it became a first of all a fitness kind of experience where you could jog uh, and row anywhere in the world. And interrupt. So a, a basic version of VR in that context might mm. be like you go to the gym mm. and you ride a bike and you see a screen like I'm riding yeah. through the mountains of the French Alps. That's right. That's yep. a, a 101 version of VR, would you say? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. VR can, in especially in scientific literature, can mean lots of different things. It's basically any, anything where what you do in the real world affects the screen content, right? So, but what, yeah, so, and, and that's, that's really tricky because you read about VR and then you find out it's just a mouse and a, and a computer. And what I'm talking about is immersive VR where, where wow. if you're on that bike in the, in the gym and you, you see a dog on the side of the road, you can follow it all the way along it feels like you are in the alps you it's not kind of you know just something that you can stare at and it's a motivating force and you know like because you want to get to the end of the track and you're also feeling calm and relaxed and you're and you're traveling it's a full body and mind experience right so i thought that was a great idea and i wanted i wanted to build that and I ended up at the AIS pitching it to some um, sports scientists and they were like, oh, this would be perfect for uh, rehab. They were talking about a cyclist. 
cycle, you know, cycling in the Alps, preparing for a race in the Alps. But, you know, I, I was like, okay, rebuild her. That, that's an interesting idea. And I went back and yeah, looking at the studies that have been happening around the world, there was lots to do with stroke. Mm. And that made a big, big change and a lot of sense to me. And I thought, okay, well, like stroke needs a lot of repetitious movement, right? It just needs reps, reps, reps. So we could motivate a really beautiful experience to get those reps up where you don't feel like you're doing those reps. And that was the birth of, of recovery VR. Like, uh, and, and of course I started, you know, shrugging my shoulders and telling a few people about it. And they're like, okay, well, I got a grant to build it. I got, I was in an accelerator, a business accelerator straight away. Like it's a, it was a, as an idea that people think, oh, and myself was like, why isn't that on the, on the shelves? Like, why aren't they doing that already? So that was the, the snowball that began. So if we're connecting the dots, I think it's mm-hmm. helpful for us to have defined some of the things of what VR is and isn't. Then you're thinking about how do we apply this in a recovery or rehabilitation sense? So we can connect the dots for some listeners. We mentioned stroke and perhaps there's some practitioners listening who have used or have heard of clinics using a Nintendo Wii as an example of (laughs) using gamified virtual experiences for rehab. Is that similar to what we're talking about? Same time but different? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what I was mentioning before about VR being many different things, a lot of, a lot of those studies around VR in, in quotation marks uses the way that is but thought to be standard level of like VR entry level. Yeah, it's interaction with, with, you know, physical interaction with the displayed content. So, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's VR in a sense, but there's a special source about immersive VR when you completely shut down your auditory and visual senses and you can see yourself in the 3D world and your body can be anything you want it to be. Like the arm that is, you know, completely paralytic can, can exist and work and be a form of mirror therapy, you know, like very easily. And in the ways that you can morph the body is fantastic. All sorts of fields, like especially chronic pain, body dysmorphia, anorexia, obesity, like any sort of eating issues. And that's just one aspect. That's when you look down. Now try to think about the rest of the world. Like it can look like anything, anything you need it to be. So you're telling me I can have a six pack? <laughs> yeah, and you can put a slider and make your six pack go away and come back. <laughs> so okay, so uh, you mentioned immersive, or we've mentioned immersive a couple of mm-hmm. times, and I think that's the the evolution that our listeners need to understand. We is an interaction with a screen. When we're talking immersive VR, headset based, am I right? Yeah, that's right. So you you limit other inputs, so your only input is in a virtual space. Am I correct? That's right. That's right. And, I mean, one thing that puts us apart from a, from only a few other people around the world who are doing this sort of thing is that we uh, use a lot of 360 video. From my background, we use photorealistic environments, which is a lot more palatable to a lot more people. I talk to a lot of clinicians who have tried, oh, yeah, I've tried this other thing and, and it's all CG, computer-generated, and people doesn't really affect them. So we use a lot of... Can I interrupt? When you say photorealistic, I think what you mean is mm. when we're watching Nintendo Wii and we're playing tennis, right? I'll keep going. Mm-hmm. All little circular avatars in a fake state, like a cartoon. Yeah. When yeah. it's photorealistic, what do, you, what do you mean? 
Yeah, so when you're riding through the Alps, it is the person who shot that footage is was at the Alps, you know? Like it is like you can look around and see the real trees, the real wind. It feels much more real. That's only going to get better. Like right now, it's, it's, we're still in the trajectory of this technology growing and growing and growing. So photorealistic is, yeah, it is it is like you are there. When I'm um, able to see a hand, it's not necessarily a cartoon caricature. It's a hand that, for all intents and purposes, looks like my hand or the tree looks like. Um, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. The other real difference from the Wii Right. So we, we are building a health product. Um, Nintendo isn't going to have a specific health rehabilitation product. It's, they're going to, it's for the mass market. Right. So what you're doing when you're playing tennis on the Wii is, is great for, you know, external shoulder rotation and a little bit of flexion. That's fantastic. And it, and it does motivate people. A lot of, a lot of clinics have a Wii in their clinic because it motivated people to move. But when you build something like this from the bottom up, you can, understand what the outcomes need to be and work backwards. So, and, th- and that's what we, we've been trying to do is take, take this kind of tech and, and photorealistic worlds and some computer generated worlds mm-hmm. and then match it with the um, workflow of a clinician and the outcomes that the patient is patient and the clinician and, and the, you know, the world is looking for so that they can return or get, get back the function that they need or whatever it is. So, and that's a real, shift of thinking as to how you build and what you're measuring and what they're doing and you know so that that's two real real differentiators from the way that we yeah, yeah, I love it. I think the way is a useful perhaps point of reference to then evolve from and you know at the risk of having too many points of reference there's talk at the moment of you know say Facebook's metaverse mm. in a similar ballpark. Let's change gears. Can you we've mm. mentioned stroke a little bit. Can you perhaps talk to some of the use cases where VR in a rehab or recovery setting mm. might be specifically useful? So when you say stroke, we're talking about like limb paralysis, yeah, and we're starting yeah. to back muscle function. Or I know you showed me an example of desensitization to say mm. of water brushing on the feet. Or mm. Mm. what are some of the other maybe beyond stroke? Is there any other disabilities or sport settings where mm. VR is a use case? Good question because that's that's growing all the time and it's really hard to stick with a single use case, you know, because there's so because VR has so much potential. And I get clinicians asking me, oh, do you have, you know, some vestibular? Like where's the vestibular application? Right. And I've got kind of the design for that, but you know, we only have so many hours in the day. So so it's really hard to deliver everything that people people need. But you know, vestibular, you've got eye tracking kind of techniques that, you, that VR does very, very well, certain head movements to break up crystals. So that's a whole use case, but we don't offer that yet. So where we've gone and what we're yeah, where we've come from is stroke. And what has borne out of that is the comorbidities of stroke. So we also have chronic pain applications. So, and that is immersion in somebody else's body to experience sensations, to desensitize and disconfirm the pain signals that they're feeling when they're not touching anything. They are like some other hands in front of you are touching things and you still feel pain. That is an, that is an obvious signal that it's not happening in their hands, right? So that kind of thing within chronic pain and then also mental health. So the comorbidities from stroke are anxiety and depression. And, you know, a stress brain is a, is a rigid brain in terms of plasticity. So increasing the amount of 
calming and relaxing experiences that could happen on their own or before a physical experience or after a physical experience, I think is a, is a really has great benefit to the whole rehab process. But lately, we've been talking to a lot of psychologists sure. who are like, okay, well, we have a, a number of phobia experiences, exposure to crowds, exposure to heights, exposure to public transport. And that is really triggering something. And again, it's photorealistic. It's not CG uh, computer generated. Top of a building in, in Melbourne, I think, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got some extreme ones in the Heights and, and some and some really easy ones. It's graded. So you build up and you try to get the anxiety down. So that's a good point. point. So the therapist can apply the, the therapeutic principles of, let's say, graded exposure in this example. We know therapeutically what sort of grade that we're after, and we can apply that in a VR world to, to use a simple example, heights, to expose one to a first-story height and then a fifth-story height and then a tenth-story height. So I think what I'm finding really fascinating is we can take some of the therapeutic principles that we all understand and maybe in a more of a musculoskeletal background like myself, we want to be working, and I think we were talking about a um, was it a tennis example or the the slashing fruit type? Oh, yeah. Like we want to work below 90 degrees of flexion and then mm. we want to work up in sort of 90 to 135 degrees of flexion and mm. we can set those physical therapeutic parameters and the gamification takes care of itself. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you, if you take that back, that's something not coming from a, a medical background. It's something that I'm I'm learning every day, which is fantastic. And that graded nature of things and the goals, a goal-orientated path for a rehab process across the board, that's pain, that's um, anxiety, that's depression, is a real eye-opener. And so we're, we're currently building version two of the product. And so it's a complete rebuild from the bottom up based on the feedback from hundreds of people that I've talked to. And I'm also um, contracting some researchers and stuff to to really define exactly the workflow that a that a clinician goes through to achieve achieve the outcomes. And yeah, a part of that is that being able to set a goal of 90 degrees shoulder flexion and the motivating factor for the client is to be able to see their improvement digitally, right? So they can see if they are working up to that 90 degree shoulder flexion on a regular basis, we can track that and show that back to them, which is a really, you know, fulfilling kind of, kind of metric to, to be able to see because sometimes it doesn't feel like you're getting anywhere. And actually you find out you increased 3% last week and that's better than going back 3%, right? Sure. That graded, that gain zone so that the game never happens above 90 degrees is so that no one ever feels like they can't play the game. So it's very demotivating to have too much challenge and it's very demotivating to have not enough challenge. So this goal-orientated system that we're incorporating into version two is, yeah, it comes back to like I say motivation twice a day, every day, because <laughs> because it's just about how do we get people to work for longer? How do we get people to do more reps? How do we get more time on task? And how do we get people to come back constantly? And motivation is the idea there across the board. It makes so much sense because as clinicians, we need to have the control over those things, which perhaps historically we've never had in a virtual sense. And just to wrap some context for our listeners, we were watching you play a game of hitting things over a fence, whatever it was. 
but we could set the parameters that you're not hitting low volleys, like below waist height, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not hitting high swings above head. We're just sticking in, say, a 45 to 45 degree range. That's the type of parameters that we can control. We're going to swing and hit things, not above head, not below waist height. So we can do the reps in that range. I love that control that's now available in that space, but mm. also even to backtrack a little bit, the, the graded exposure elements, mm. whether it's to physical stimuli, like we've mm. just touched on, or emotional stimuli, or we've never really had that step in the process. We kind of go from this imagined exposure to real exposure with no virtual exposure. Yeah. yeah? yeah. I know there's been iterations historically in a physio space with uh, or a musculoskeletal space, there's been you know, flip cards, you know, yeah. you might watch a video on a screen, mm. but to now have another step in the process, a, a virtual exposure is mm. uh, it's a whole other level. I know that applies across occupational rehab, it applies across psychological exposures, and uh, it, it's beautiful. And it's not, there is a gamification opportunity inside recovery VR, but mm. like you were telling me about people, you can kind of paint yeah, and people mm-hmm. just themselves in these painting experiences or spend time in a situation in virtual land where they wouldn't otherwise. So talk to me about the uptake. Mm. Where I'm getting to is that we, we're starting to understand that it's, it's useful, it's evidence-based, but what about patience? You know, mm-hmm. like can, can someone who's perhaps a little bit more mature, experienced, older, how do they understand VR? How does this apply to kids? How do we get a headset onto people? Talk yeah. to me about those practical. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's an interesting one because it does span the entire age range. It's it's not, it seems to be about personality rather than age. Um patient type that is most yeah, yeah. And it's not all yeah, and it's not always the young male. You know, like that, that, that's actually very, very few of our clients. Half of our clients are, are patients and half are clinicians, right? So, so people using it as part of their practice and people using it at home. Okay. Uh, and sorry to interrupt. Clinicians could have this in the clinic and patients come to use it. And that's a clinician centered use. Yeah. A patient could buy it for themselves to have in their own home at their own leisure. That's right. And we, and we've built the technology. There, there's a web portal so that the clinician can connect to the patient's headset at home and do telehealth sessions that way and prescribe activities. So lists of activities. If, and what has generally happened is that the clinician has it in their practice and they, they use it with people and some people, you know, and it's generally the case that some people are having trouble being engaged in their therapy or being motivated to do their therapy and for some reason, this VR, you know, that one of the VR, you know, you're dodging cannonballs is the thing that they want to do every time they come in. Mm-hmm. And that's when the clinician will generally recommend to the NDIS or, or recommend to the patient to purchase the, the headset for that person. And then that clinician can build a, a prescription of all the things they love to do that are working towards their goals. And that person doesn't need to move around the UI and like find things. They just press one button and they're doing 20 minutes of therapy that's prescribed by the by the clinician so yeah it's not just isolated use cases in the home or in the clinic it's there's a whole the the comparison might be most of us would be familiar with an exercise prescription software or a therapy prescription software where Mm. as a clinician we select things within our portal and then the patient sees it in their portal 
yeah. the same can apply in a VR yeah. context. Yeah, yeah, those things are fantastic. But what we can do that's a, a step above that is you can't fake it. Like you, if you like, if when you you got a computer on your head and it is tracking you, you either did it or you didn't. You and check the box and say yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not an honor system; it is an adherence system. And you can actually, once they've done it at home, you can go in and see how much effort they put in, like how what their scores were. You know, like all of that kind of feedback is. You know, it's it's transparency around actually how much people are putting in when they go home. If a client is only doing an hour every two weeks and that's all they do, what are their outcomes going to be? It's, um, so we're trying to help the patient by making it motivating, make it fun, you know, right? So that's that's like base level, but then also helping the clinician understand what the adherence rate is and, and what are the factors going into why this person is degrading or increasing very slowly, you know? So... I, yeah, I don't want to make a, a total big brother kind of system for the patient, but I think more information is better for everyone. Christian, you mentioned uh, you mentioned NDIS. So some of the patient groups that this might be amenable to, so those with disabilities or, or lifetime, a total and permanent yeah. degrees. Yeah. What about other perhaps funding mechanisms? Is it useful in an insurance setting or a, a veterans DVA setting, for example? Yeah, uh, yeah, all of those things. Um, NDIS has definitely been the biggest portion of that. We've had several workers' compensation claims, um, so just helping people get back to work and, yeah, some other just eye care and, you know, th- those sorts of insurance schemes that that have found that this this will work for that that person and will motivate a better outcome. DVA is a really interesting one. We're working with a client who is building a mental health application that will sit within Recovery VR specifically for war veterans. And we're providing that physical rehabilitation that war veterans also need. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great partnership to affect people who need it. And all of that telehealth functionality, it's all about socialisation, it's all about connection. It ticks a lot of box for that population right now if, if anyone's following the Royal Commission. Mm, yeah, definitely. We spoke offline a little bit about what's coming down the pipes so do you want to maybe give us a, a peek behind the curtain of some of the cool things that are coming in VR land? Gosh, where to start? Where to start? <laughs> um, so <laughs> we, um, you know, Virgin 2 is an open world of activity. So it's not just a menu. You can walk around and interact with the world. What we're doing is building a home for the patients. So you have a house and a river uh, out the back, you have a big garden, you have a street out the front, you know, there's a gym across the road. You can exist here and all of the self-determination theory that goes into computer games, we're embracing because that's the, again, motivation, motivation, motivation. Um, When you say self-determination theory, <laughs> yeah, sure. Fair enough. Um, so there's, oh, and I can't you, remember. You choose your own adventure, right? I want to go over there, so I'll go over there. Yeah, I I feel empowered, and therefore I will do more. I will I will engage. I will take my own path. Right. So we're giving them the possibility of that, but also still delivering on everything that we've done so far. So the prescriptions, they could go in there and not 
go to their house and not build up their reward system. So their trophies and their, and their point systems, and they just press the button and do their therapy and put the headset down. And that's fine. But for people who want to come back in their own time and experience and do more therapy than just what they've been told to do, we're making it an environment of uh, where that is rewarded and fun to do. You can go play golf. You can go play disc golf in these places that are yours it's ownership so so that's really great the next thing really is multiplayer as well so the clinician being in that space with the patient right now we're just bringing in the webcam view so the clinician will be in the space with them but through a computer so the clinician can see the body of the person in three dimensions and the patient can see the clinician in two dimensions like in as a as, okay. as a video script. type thing yeah yeah so there is that connection and, and the clinician can see how they're moving how they're you know even if that's a, a a psychological session how much fidgeting they're doing it says a lot and it, and it needs to have like we're trying to make it as real world as possible one of the core missions that recovery via has is for people in rural and remote communities how do we bring healthcare, right? VR is a fantastic tool for delivering health, motivating healthcare. How can we get this to people in rural remote communities and give them access to the specialist clinicians that they don't have in their town or, you know, two hours away? They have to drive, drive four hours to get healthcare. We're trying to facilitate a better experience and a more face-to-face personal experience as well as an offline fun experience so a lot a lot to do a lot to do it's exciting mate i think we could we could probably talk for hours it is one of yeah. the shiny objects or virtual objects that uh it, there's so many use cases and i think it's not just from one to two progression but it's just like from zero to one yeah it's yeah. a whole new world and i think clinicians and clinic owners we're on the cusp and, and this would be my encouragement to listeners as to how can you be we're often looking for points of difference. So, you know, how do we differentiate ourselves, offer a unique service or experience for our clients? Entertaining the possibility of VR in your practice is a, a huge opportunity that we're right on the cusp of. And mm. Christian, I really appreciate you kind of unpacking these concepts for us, exposing us to some different ideas and different ways of thinking. I think that'll be really useful for listeners. Yeah, no, and, and I, just to follow on for that from that, telehealth kind of space i really do hope that it it's a business opportunity for people because we we don't deliver the healthcare so we rely on the clinicians and to achieve our goal of providing healthcare to rural and remote areas it's actually about businesses who are looking to expand using this vr platform as a tool to expand their business into those areas so we've kind of got one hand behind tied behind our back because we don't deliver the service so yeah i'm really keen on working with people to expand their reach using what we've built one of the things that I love often is early tech or early startups like this means that I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but you're taking so much feedback from your users and you're mm-hmm. putting things to spec or, or at the spec as to a degree as needed by your users. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everything in there right now is because somebody has fed it back to us. You know, the house that people live in is because every occupational therapist I talk to says, 
it needs to be activities of daily life. So, okay, fantastic. We'll give them a house, we'll give them a toothbrush, we'll give them clothes to put on, you know, and we can gamify that, right? We're not there yet. That's, again, another use case that's like we're setting up for that. We're doubling down on the on the physical therapy right now and the mental health, but occupational therapy will just start to grow in this space because it's what people need. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, we, we might continue this conversation at a later date again, but if people wanted to learn more about your platform, Recovery VR, or get in touch with you personally, how might we do so? Uh, the, web, the website's the best way to do that. It's recoveryvr.com.au, and from there you can book an, book an appointment with me to talk to me about, and I can show you a demo and all of that, or just um, drop me a line and we can chat over email. And it's got a lot of information, and it's all V1, version 1 orientated. It's what, what you would get right now, but I end up talking about version 2 a lot. <laughs> and But we'll be delivering that over the next couple of months. We're, we're actually delivering the demo today. So it's been a big couple of weeks preparing that and very excited to release release it to our current customers. Super. Well, listeners, again, that's recoveryvr.com.au and we'll make sure we link that up in the show notes along with any other socials, emails, etc. And all of those will be at clinicmastery.com slash podcast, your regular haunt. Christian, thank you so much. That's been really insightful and no doubt the listeners will appreciate it. Thank you for joining us, mate. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Jack. And listeners, thank you again for joining us. As always, get in touch. If you need any help to grow your clinic, if you need to do the Assess Your Clinic scorecard, head over to clinicmastery.com slash podcast for the link there. And if you want to grow your clinic, uh, we would love to have a conversation about how we can help do that. Just reach out on the website. Otherwise, thank you for joining us for this episode. I can't wait to bring you another one again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.